It's like uh, the three to four people and then the one person is the bad guy mm-hmm. type. Is that how it is? Uh, yeah. yeah, four people, then there's someone playing the demon trying to, trying to get him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they're doing it the same. They're doing the same thing for Ghostbusters. They're coming out with a game that's, you know, four people as Ghostbusters, and then you have the ghost running around sliming people. It's all the rage right now. I mean, just like a lot of licensed games like that. It's, I mean, there's a Texas Chainsaw game coming up. There was already the Friday the 13th Ooh. that was that way. So, like. Was you the know. Friday the 13th, like, the big first one? Or, like, Dead by Daylight or something Dead like by that? Daylight was probably the big, the big first one that the other ones sort of modeled them after. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then Friday the 13th was the first, like, licensed one. And now that's this, that's the thing to do with these franchises. Because, I mean, it's smart. Like, you want to give people the chance to both play as the, the, the villain, like, the classic sure. villain. And, you know, also the cool survivors. For Evil Dead, it's, it's really cool because, like... Ash is the icon of that franchise, you know? And so people mostly want to play as Ash. I feel like the other ones have a problem. It's like, why would you want to be one of these shitty camp counselors <laughs> at Crystal Lake? You, you just want to be Jason. True. You know? But and with, with the, the TV show that they did, like, there's more characters oh, that totally. are, like, better to be than some random guy. I can't even remember the guy's name from the first Evil Dead. Yeah, exactly. Scotty. He is playable. Scotty. He is playable, though. Oh, Scotty. Scotty is playable. He looks nothing Scotty like the actor because they didn't have the rights to his face. <laughs> but, you know. That's always the best. I love that when, you know, we're, we're either like can't afford or we don't care enough yeah. to actually get the, <laughs> the likeness. But it reminded me of the um, Batman Returns, how they actually licensed uh what's his name who he was gonna be robin remember they talked oh, about yeah. this on blank check where it the way was it, it damon way damon wayans yeah i think yeah that he was gonna be robin and then like they even had the action figure and they just <laughs> cut all that out and just painted the action figure no white. thank you yeah <laughs> what a Incredible. shame we could have had some real real color in those tim burton movies exactly yeah Hey, uh, speaking of bodies changing, you know, uh, Mm. metamorphosizing, I am not going to attempt that word again, but, you know, uh, things changing, things changing, I'll dumb it down for myself. Um, Speaking of things changing and and, uh, appearances all being altered, today on the weekly podcast Massacre, we are talking about Annihilation, the 2018 Alex Garland movie for the end of Mushroom May. Um, I am today's host, Greg from Los Angeles, and with me, uh, unfortunately today, just the one co-host, but with me is... I'm Michael from Portland, but everyone calls me Murphy. Yeah, and we are wrapping up Mushroom May, our our, our dig into earthy horror. Uh, horror movies that utilize the earth, or plant life, or just, you know, anything natural to, like, communicate horror and ideas that we, uh, you know, that spook us. And uh, this is one, This all month I say we've been getting into things that have really gone under my skin. This is no exception. This is one that digs deep. This one is one that sticks with you. This one, yeah, I mean, I mean, think about it. It's below the skin. I mean, it's in the DNA. Totally. And I, so there's this thing about this. I think there is a, a good argument to be made about this movie being included in Mushroom Mate. I am also thinking, like, it's... 
Greg, this is an alien. <laughs> but I was also, even before, I was like, well, come on. This is, this is a sci-fi movie, right? Like, I would hardly put this in horror. And then as I'm watching it, I'm like, no, this is definitely like enough of a horror movie to be constituted for this podcast maybe not this month but that's that's for you to prosecute yeah um but uh it it is garland is such a good director and i am so excited we watched this before men which is coming out as we're recording in a week it'll be like a couple days after when this gets published but yeah, really stoked to see that too because like in the preparation for this, I was reading some Garland interviews and he was just talking about his process for like his next movies where he's like I try mm-hmm. to like my last project, I try to do not the opposite, but he's like I try to get very very far from the last thing I did. And it like it keeps okay. his stuff varied, I think, and interesting because he's not going to just like fall into one camp of doing the same thing. He's he's deliberately trying to not repeat himself. Which I think is really interesting. Right. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Well, because he was a writer for a long time. He wrote a couple books and screenplays, I believe. And the Beach. Started I know getting he into... wrote The Beach, which is pretty, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, The Beach. Yeah. The Danny Boyle, uh, Leo movie. But, um, yeah, I mean, he. so it seemed like since Ex Machina, and then it was about, I think that was 2014, and then four years to Annihilation, and then another four years for yeah. men so he's he's on a, a steady pattern and i'm i'm continuously excited for what's going to be coming next yeah he did. he's like a a denny villeneuve like he's just gained so much steam in sh- such a short amount of time that it's n- it's not going to be too long until he has his own dune-esque movie like a <laughs> giant blockbuster yeah hopefully franchise given to him yeah, that's the thing. I don't know if I'd want him. I mean, I guess he's already done a franchise. He's already did Dread, and it didn't take, sadly. But by that's all reports, right. he's not the credited director, but like I think Carl Urban has said like he effectively directed that movie. Um, but that movie's really fucking... Like, it it's didn't, great. It's great, but it didn't fucking get the recognition burned. it deserved yeah. yeah, when it came out, but it is one of those high marks of cinema yeah. to me. That was the first God, movie... Fucking Carl Urban. That was the first movie I went and saw alone. I had tried to get a bunch of friends to do yeah. it. And then I was just like, you know, everyone was busy. It was leaving theaters soon because of, we said it crash and burn. And I really wanted to see it in 3D because I heard that was the way to see it. And so it's like, you know what? I'm taking that plunge. I am going to the movies by myself. And uh, yeah, had a great time. I did not see it in theaters or 3D. To think, I think the first movie I can remember going by myself was the X-Men movie, the oh, wow. 99, 2000? Uh, 2000, um, I believe. Or 2001. I, I think believe, it's the same yes. year as Spider-Man, I thought. Maybe it's, I no, think it's 2000, so, yeah. 2000. So, I'm thinking, yeah, sorry. I went Friday with my dad, and then Saturday I was like, this movie was fucking awesome. I'm going to go again. Just drop me off and like buy a ticket. So then I, I watched it again. And then Sunday there was another kid I knew who was like, hey, we should go see this movie. So I watched it three days in a row. Uh, <laughs> and it wasn't until the third viewing that I noticed Wolverine's head healing after he gets like tossed from the car. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Man, what a game changer, that movie. Mm-hmm. Similarly to X-Men, though, we are talking about a movie with a lot of mutations 
It's uh, going to be yeah. a big theme of this film. And it's the reason why that mutations is why I think this does fit into mushroom horror as Kiel has kind of described the parameters because so much of this is about uh, like literal overgrowth, both like plant overgrowth mm-hmm. and then bodies continuing to grow when they shouldn't and things like that, material growing. And I think what it does is that it's it's definitely kicked off by an alien thing uh, from what we can tell. But it's using like the biology and the like attributes of plants to communicate a lot of its horror. So in order yes. to like, you know, make the metaphor of what's happening to these people or to like um, really establish like what he's talking about, plants are a good way to kind of like, they're a good metaphor for what's going on here. When growth gets out of control, right? That's what we're seeing in the plants and the animals and the people. Uh, in this movie and I think that like it's easier to understand through the context of things like plants and um, kind of like in the earth in the earth is talking about a similar thing it's using plants on like the way they operate to kind of make a point about people as well and I think that's what Garland is trying to do here um, I was trying to read a lot of interviews with him yeah. and he's a little bit like David Lynch in that he's he's very cagey in what he wants to explain but it also seems like Garland gets a little frustrated and it's like okay okay here's here's like you know some pointers on how to look at this uh he's sure it's like the the dvd insert that lynch made like okay fucking stop asking me (laughs) here are things you should look out for yeah totally i saw a lot of comparisons just in people's reviews like on letterboxd and even just like you know uh film critic reviews from major publications talking about how this is like a lynchian movie i don't quite know if i totally agree with that i think it's it's similar in a couple of ways um, and there's a quote from Garland where he talks about how he wanted this movie. He says it's based off a book by um, Jeff Vandermeer, which I yeah. read after oh, seeing wow. the movie the first time. Interesting. There is some similarities, but the the actual plot, the characters are are pretty much there. But kind of what they're in the lighthouse and like an alien thing. But it it definitely takes it on a different journey yeah which i think is interesting he says his approach to this was that when he read the book um he really loved it because it was an original story he said and not like Mm -hmm. a ritualistic retelling which is what he kept yeah i saw several interviews where he said like storytelling nowadays is so ritualistic like we have to just tell the same things over and over um we have similar beats that we continuously harp on yeah. yeah and in this movie too this movie like is calling back to a lot of other movies and so it, he's not completely devoid of doing that but he says he likes that the premise seemed like an original idea and then um that reading the book felt like a dream and so he really wanted to replicate that in the movie and have it have its own sort of internal logic uh that would only make sense within the context of the movie like things happen to these characters and they have to just accept it because the world they're living in they know the rules are out the window um kind of like when you're in a dream yeah. so i can totally see the lynch comparison yeah. in that way however it's there's it's, a few surreal moments like yeah cutting to different things um you know a lot of non-linear storytelling like we we jump back and forth occasionally and those are usually it seems to be in dreams yeah if i'm remembering or just like her memories memory. in general yeah 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 i wanted to say that i think about that lynch comparison like people are so quick to make the comparison to david lynch anytime anything dreamy happens 
but like anything there's a weird yeah anything strange weird (laughs) wandavision's about like you know a sort of housewife and it's kind of weird it's kind of lynchian you know (laughs) but um i i feel like this has elements of that but like what lynch is better about uh or it's different i was i'm not gonna say better i'm gonna say what's different about how he approaches these things is that and we talked about this in the eraser episode but he uh attributes just as much meaning and like thought and though not even thought just like there's just something about the way those dreams are presented it's it's less of like a what's going on and more of like a you know i can't believe this is happening with lynch whereas with like mm-hmm. this movie it's more just confusing more just confusing in a general sense i would say i'm not even saying it's a bad thing i'm just saying like i don't get as like thoughtful about the surreal stuff on this one as lynch does oh. you know yeah so i would say it seems most of the lynchian ones like the characters don't even seem to be that confused a lot yeah, of the that's, time like Sarah, they that's roll a big part of with it. it yeah that's a much better way of saying and what i was just trying to say in this movie the characters like i keep thinking about when after they first enter the shimmer and they like wake up they've already had camp set up they've gone through like four days of ration they're just as confused as we are yeah and usually i'm trying to remember the way that they've described it in like writing class about like you know um the 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 character knows a certain amount the audience knows a little bit more than them but then the writer knows more than the audience and i feel like a lot of the times like we're on the same level as natalie portman we don't know um like what's i'm like getting a bunch of directors and stuff but the hitchcock thing of talking about how you know tension is you put a bomb under a table but only the audience knows that it's go it's ticking everybody else is like you know uh, undisturbed by it but that's how tension is created by you knowing a little bit more than the character yeah absolutely and then i think that he does some really cool things later on in the movie where he reveals more about natalie portman's character because we are with her side by side through so much of this and we think we know everything about her at a certain point only to realize there's a little bit more to it right to her and i like how that reflects her teammates and how they see her too and what they know about her and then what Mm -hmm. they find out later uh so just to say too i don't think this is i'm not trying to say hey lynch is better because of this i'm just trying to say it's a different approach to like the same type of storytelling you know dealing with dreams and things like that I, I mean, Garland is is up there, like, of, yeah. of our, you know, uh, modern filmmakers. I, I think he's he's quite up there. Yeah. Our young auteurs. I mean, yeah. <laughs> probably not the youngest at this point. Right. But, like, yeah, it's it's definitely, uh, I mean, like, I, I mean, we already, I already said Villeneuve, Villeneuve mm-hmm. but there's real, I can't think of any other big, big ones that are not, you know, in a little bit class older, like Fincher. But Fincher's, like, in a whole different realm, practically. Yeah, and, like, he came from, like, music videos in the 80s. Like, he's been around for a while. So, like, um, and it was funny, too. I saw an like interview Spike where... Spike Jones is too old. Yeah. yeah. I saw an interview where uh, uh, Garland says he is. He declares he is not an auteur because he's been working with a lot of the same people for 20 years. And he says that they should be receiving just as much credit as him. Which, hey, I like that stance. It's a very humble, modest way to look at it, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
at the same time, you can watch a lot of anything with Alex Garland's name on it and identify like, hey, this is an Alex Garland thing. But maybe that's like a combination of people then. So I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so we can start digging more into this movie. Uh, it stars Natalie Portman as Lena. Uh, we have Jennifer Jason Lee, Dr. Ventress. We have Tessa Thompson as Josie Raddick. Uh, Sonoya Mizuno as Humanoid and Katie, who's a... Mid- oh, I'm just going to MDB and realize that's... Why is she so high credited? Anyway. Uh, Gina Rodriguez as Anya. We have uh, Tuva Natovny. Novotny? Novotny as Cash Shepard. Uh, and we have Oscar Isaac as Kane is the other one to mention. Um, Oscar Isaac, another uh, he's a I'm, he's great. Yeah, but he's it's, a Garland. It's a weird role, but you, I mean, Garland you forgot better. one of the most charming uh, of them. You forgot Benedict Wong as Lomax as some yeah yeah some like weird scientist. I didn't Lomax. catch his name, but yeah, uh, I don't know if they ever I say just it. saw um, yeah, I just saw Multiverse of Madness. So like. I saw that Thursday, and then so when I put this on Sunday, Saturday morning, I'm like, it's Wong! There he is! <laughs> He's, He's great. always great. He's incredible. Not in this movie enough, uh, but we're going to talk about it right away, because our movie opens with Lena being interviewed by Lomax. Um, Lomax is in a white like radiation suit, like hazmat suit. Um, Natalie Portman is sitting in a chair in a white jumpsuit. And they're questioning her about the time she spent in a place called Area X inside the Shimmer, um, which is, uh, I think, actually the first thing we see is a comet hitting this lighthouse, right? And then the strange colored goo spreads out across the space. Uh, This is the Shimmer, and uh, currently, as this framing device begins, uh, Natalie Portman is being interrogated about what happened in there. We learned that she went in uh, I was in there for four months, but to her, it only feels like maybe a couple of days, if, you know, weeks at the most. They were only rationed for two weeks, but they managed to live four months anyway, but she has no memory of, of eating. and Of what they ate, yeah. Uh, she is pestered about what happened to the rest of her crew. She says two of them are dead for sure, and the other two, she does not know what uh, their fate was. Um, Dr. Ventress and Radic, she does not know what happened to them. Uh, she's very stoic in this scene. She's very not very responsive. Clearly, seems like she's gone through something traumatic. There's a lot of confusion on her face. Yes, I would say. Yeah, pretty shortly we see that uh, before she goes into the shimmer, we flash back to when she is a professor at Johns Hopkins University, and she's given a lecture about cancer cells and the way they spread. How um... now? This this explanation is like day one biology class like i love it when in movies when they do this like oh we have to explain everything so we're telling these like graduate students about how cells developed and she like takes a minute and then she goes into the cancer stuff but i just love her like you know one cell split into two two became four eight yeah (laughs) we just go on and on about it Hey, you know, you cover your bases. You want to make sure that they, you know, you never know what kind of, uh, even though there are graduate students, she's been a good professor and she's not just <laughs> assuming they just know stuff already. So uh, since Kill is not here today, I, I'm going to have to uh, give all the all the, the nice trivia for this all movie. All the facts. Yeah. So this is a cool one that I discovered. Uh, during the lecture, Lena describes the cells in the video presentation as cervical cancer from a 31-year-old patient. These are most likely HELA cells, uh, capital H-E, capital L 
A cells, an immortalized cell line derived from a cervical cancer taken from Henrietta Lacks. So I guess that there's these cancer cells that just have continued to replicate long after taking out of this per and they use this for uh, a lot of medical research it seems like into cancer and the life cycle of cells and things like that so this is where we get our first big theme kind of like spelled out to us is like the biologically coded process of cell decay um and mm -hmm. how inside of our bodies the things that comprise us they're all kind of set to die off at a certain point how it's 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 wired into us that we cannot live forever but uh, she explains this a little, bit, a little later with Oscar Isaac. But there is a uh, you know medical entire medical field dedicated to to get it bypassing that to code that, yeah. and having I, cells live I forever. Really, I really like how they start that conversation with like they're talking about she likes seeing the moon and the day sky. It's like God made a mistake, and then Kane's like, "Well, God doesn't make a mistake." Yeah, and she's like, "Well." actually <laughs> like we could all be living forever it's just this little thing inside of us that makes us grow old yeah and, and also she's like wouldn't you like me to stay like this like she like motions at her own body yeah and of course how she's, hot she is she's half naked in that scene yeah yeah um i actually i like their chemistry in that scene uh it's it's the one that feels the most like genuine and like you know sweet um, because the time we see that we, we see them together before that, uh, after her lecture, she's approached by a coworker. Uh, is his name David? I believe it is. Uh, the actor is David. David Gyasi is Daniel. He approaches her. He invites her to a barbecue, a cookout, or something. And like, uh, you know, she's kind of cagey about it. And she's like, "Oh, it's gonna, you know, it's coming up on a year." So you get the sense that she lost somebody. And he says, "Hey." You know, you can't mourn him forever. You got to move on sometime. It's not a betrayal to come to a barbecue. But she's still cagey about it. She goes home. She remembers uh, her life with her husband, Kane, played by Oscar Isaac, like we said. And, you know, she's crying. She's flashing back to a, a sex scene. Um, and uh, she is obviously very distraught when suddenly Kane just appears. He just walks in the front door. Oscar Isaac comes in. He's got a little buzz cut. He's, he uh, is also very, very stoic. I think this is well, the version that's like a shaved head, right? It's No, I don't think he ever has like any specific hair change. It's just if it's slicked back or if it's like messy. And gotcha. this, these ones, it's like just like took like some Dapper Dan. And just like <laughs> combed it back. Maybe I didn't even know And then it's it all like back, crazy yeah. at the bottom. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I see, and I had remembered them having sex before, like they go down to the the kitchen table, and I always thought that would have oh, that little added thing would have been something more to the story. Where it's like, well, you know, because it turns out like, well, we don't actually know what he is. Mm -hmm. We get it towards the end, like it's probably not Kane. It's probably not even human, and so to have that like baby in her i think would have been would have been just that little bit more that the story needed um i i think uh well we, we find out that the sex scene she's flashing back to right before he appears is not what we think too so um right also too i just i don't know i i like that when he arrives at the house he is a complete blank slate he's not gonna be he's not at that point yet he barely even knows who she is seemingly uh he says a very cryptic thing and this is the thing i like this is a great line and it gets very creepy. 
where she's trying to grill him on where he was. He's a he's a soldier. He's in the army, and she's like, "Were you in Afghanistan again? Like, where were you? Was it hot? Was it cold? Like, what were you doing?" He has no answers. He says he doesn't know. He's very confused. She asks about where he was again, and he just says, "I was outside the room with the bed, and I looked in, and I saw you." And I like how cryptic and weird and disturbing that line is. And Oscar Isaac delivers it very, very well. Um, it, it's very creepy. He's great. Yeah, because just everything we've gotten of him so far, we just know that he was her husband and that she has been grieving him for a year. And very quickly, this is so soon into the movie. And yet, like, I, I feel the emotional distress that Natalie Portman's in. Like, missing somebody for so long, having him suddenly arrive, and then that scary feeling of like they've they've changed like they've completely changed in the year i've seen them and i've been wanting them to come back for so long and now that i have what i want i can't accept like i can't accept it you know like i can't get a grasp on it i think i think it i have it written down pretty high up so i think it's at this point where she she's asking him where he's been and i think the response is does it matter yeah that's cool too that's a really fucking it's just it's yeah, it's just what what it what would it do? Would it it would quench that thirst, that scratch that ish, but it's not really going to give you any information. Well, it's also like you're not going to understand it, right? Like you're not going to be able to right. to to handle it. You'd have to experience <laughs> it yourself, right? Yeah. And as he's coming in, they're playing um, "Helpless" by Crosby, Still Nash and Young, which is great. And there's a lot of like acoustic guitar for the score or you know like the behind the music being played throughout and it just it works it's a very it's not even unsettling but it it puts you in a in a weird headspace yeah with the visuals that you're getting it doesn't like your comments going through space and you're getting this kind of picky guitar yeah it's very it doesn't like, really match but it, it it's, feels a, it's a little right. little new agey Right, I like that. It's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of zen in a way. Um, I think in an interview I saw Alex Garland described Ex Machina as a zen movie. He says he was going for that a little bit with that one, and I think a little bit of that bleeds into this movie, where it is bleak and it is like upsetting and frightening at a lot of points, but also it's a totally just like a vibe movie. <laughs> like it puts you in an I, interesting trancey headspace. I guess I can understand that, especially Ex Machina. This one, maybe not so much Zen, but... Not so much. I think there's elements of it. You're right, but Ex Machina is way more right. like that. Ex Machina, up until you get to that, like, that emotional peak that he builds towards the end. And then when it, again, like this one, it's like sci-fi, 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 horror. Like, all of a yeah. sudden, we are in a horror movie. Um, yeah, that one definitely, like, oh, it's very... I, like you said, vibey, and then just that turn happens. Totally. And I'm frightened for my life. <laughs> uh, so during this scene, too, the last thing I want to mention about this this first scene with Oscar Isaac is that um, he has his hand next to a glass of water. And uh, this is my second time seeing this, so I picked up on this this time. But lots of shots of things being refracted through other things. Mm-hmm. And refraction is something that comes back later. So the first time we see it is like with this shot of his hand like distorted through the water um which i think will, will comes back comes back later in a very interesting way so he starts bleeding suddenly just like nose gushing blood and he's clearly uh in pain so uh she tries to rush him to a hospital during the back of an ambulance 
and they're doing what they, they can do to stop this bleeding, but he's, he's like, fading very quickly. Suddenly they ask, hey, did you guys ask for a police escort? Because a ton of cop cars are, like, coming up on them. So they nab uh, Kane and Lena, and they take them to uh, this holding facility outside of Area X. Uh, this is where we meet Ventress, Dr. Ventress, played by the great Jennifer Jason Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, I love her. I think she's incredible. Uh, you know, horror movie I th- icon yeah. from, like, The Hitcher, things like that. Well, like, 16-year-old Michael was definitely very much in love with her, thanks <laughs> to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Of her course. Her and Phoebe Cates. Of course. But, like... God, and I always think about that song that they play, like, when she's having sex in that movie. Got like, take her home tonight. Isn't that Oh, yeah, that, I think so. That one? Yeah. Um, I, they should have just played that when she entered the, the movie. <laughs> I, honestly, uh, she's such a great actress. The thing, honest, I, I still think of her first now from Hateful Eight, which that movie is, is I think, kind of mixed overall. But she like dominates that she, movie in a lot of key scenes like she is so good yeah at her and kurt russell are just like yeah. every single scene it's like who's gonna steal it first totally and oh then thinking uh, of then uh speaking of of david lynch she's fucking fantastic in season three of twin peaks as well uh playing a course. really a really funny character in that uh you know great I, role with tim Roth. i love her in uh existence as well I have not seen that yet. I, existence. I, I, to, I, I, th- I would say it existence. Existence. It's probably existence. With uh, Z. I believe I own that in Blu-ray, but I have not watched it yet. I will have to, to pop it in before Crimes of the Future. Yes. So excited for that. So, Dr. Ventress is a psychiatrist, and she's grilling uh, Lena on her her knowledge of what happened to Kane. And uh, she tells her that Kane is fading rapidly. That he he's you know he's he's dying pretty quick, but he's he's being held there in the facility as well. She gives her a little background on on what the Shimmer is and what Area X is, talking about how this meteor landed there. This weird goo has covered the space. They covered it up by saying it's a chemical leak, and they evacuated the area as best they could. But everything they sent into the Shimmer to learn more about it—people, animals, drones—none of it comes out. The only thing to ever come out is Kane. I like when she's trying, when she's first telling of her about it, she, she says, like, a religious event. Yes. Or, like, extraterrestrial, like, by a lot, like, we don't know. I love that she starts with a religious yeah. event. Hey, that's like, the other thing, it too. It could be God coming down and, like, oh, yeah. I'm, ton- I'm done with this experiment. And hey, do we ever get, do we ever get, like, proof that it's not that? An explanation? <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. That's who true. knows? I mean, hey, who else has the power to rewrite our own DNA? Like, who who may have written it in the first place, you know? Hey, I saw Gattaca. I know we have that power. <laughs> so, uh, we also learned that Lena is a veteran as well. We get some background from Ventress that she also served in the military. Um, and that her research area is a genetically programmed life cycle of a cell. At this point, Lena is wearing an orange jumpsuit, which is found to be a nice contrast from the white one she is wearing in the uh, framing device being yeah. talked to by Benedict Wong. Uh, more on what that might mean later. Oh, yeah, this is where the flashback to them in bed together. And uh, Natalie Portman talks about how aging is a fault on our genes and is a process that could effectively make a cell immortal, meaning it would just keep dividing and never die. However, that is the de- definition of cancer. Cancer cells 
they don't die the same way other cells do. They just keep spreading and replicating. A very scary thing that those are the only things in our body that, like, can achieve that. And it kills us. Like, uh, this movie, too, has a lot of body horror elements. And, hey, we just referenced, you know, David Cronenberg. I think there is a little Cronenberg-y aspect to this, you know, about, like, what would your body look like? What could happen to you if your body just kept replicating cells everywhere? That's essentially what, like, the brood is about, in a sense, you know what I mean? Or parts of video yeah. drum, things like that. They don't go, like, as far as, you know, the fly when we get to yeah. see the monkey turned inside out. But there are there are some... They some, hit that yeah, the, stuff. Yeah. The body horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the snake intestines is is really really good yeah, i don't know how i forgot um, about that yeah we should uh i'm gonna ugh. accelerate a little bit so we can get to that yeah point. we got it we so we got we meet the team yeah one thing about the book is that we don't really get any of the character names we just get their profession oh so interesting. as as it's going so natalie portman you don't like lena whatever it's she's she's the biologist and then you have jennifer jason lee she's the psychologist and the leader and I think it's only four characters in the book. It's been a long time since I read it, but it, it's a much more uh, like few details throughout. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, about that adaptation process, uh, <laughs> Alice Garland says he did not reread the book before writing this screenplay because he like wanted it. his movie to do its own thing first of all and second he says that dreamlike aspect of the book he felt a way he could try to capture that is to make his movie like a dream of the book like his dream of, of like reading the book it's a very interesting way to to approach it um but i think it, as a result it's pretty different in a lot of key ways that's interesting real quick about that i feel like that's the reason for the memoria release structure i think the whole idea of that movie is that she's trying to recapture a memory yeah of something that happened to her and that's what the point of the the distribution and the movie is tied together is that you're only giving you're only going to get so many chances to watch this movie and now it is up to you for the rest of your life to be remembering the movie you can't go back and rewatch and be like oh the, okay this is what it was it's it's you at a certain point of time and you have an experience i i missed my chance to see this movie i was sick the one day i had the opportunity to, to see it here in la <sighs> yeah. and well la with, is gonna come back to eventually but. i yeah yeah i hope so uh even without having seen it though just that just your description of that intention i love it i already love it i mean i saw it twice and that's what <laughs> i took away from it was like why why is it like this and why am i so captivated yeah by this movie so uh i didn't mention the character names since you said they're not named in the book this must be garland's decision uh character names in the film ventress thorinson raddick and shepherd are identical to those in a novel the crystal world by jg ballard in the novel a physician takes a journey oh. from africa notably it is described that the forest and its inhabitants start to crystallize yeah, that might be something to check out then, to maybe understanding a little bit about the influences of this movie. So yeah, we meet the team. They introduce themselves to uh, Lena, who I, I find it interesting that only Lena and Kane don't have last names. They're, sing- they're simply uh, single-named people. Mm. Like so, Cher. 
Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or, or like 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 Wong in Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Beyonce. Um, <laughs> oh man, I sidebar, and I feel like anytime we sidebar and have to get back on track, you should just play if you can find it the trumpeting noise that plays at the end, just to like get us back to the. the I, I can't even describe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. So, but quick sidebar, I worked in a movie theater, and in our lobby, we had a giant screen that just played trailers over and over and over uh, for movies coming up, and one of them was Doctor Strange, and I heard that Beyonce line, like, 800 times a shift, just mm-hmm. over and over and over. Oh, man. Um, so, uh, yeah. I was always thinking about when I worked, we were cleaning uh, 50 first dates, and it was like we would always get the like that song, and I can't even remember it right now. But there was just the etherealness kind of yes. song, and be like, "Oh my oh god, my I'm god. so sick of this." Oh, okay, okay. To again, huge sidebar here. Uh, one of the one of my favorite podcasts, the great podcast with Gorley and Rust, a horror movie podcast hosted by Matt Gorley and Paul Rust. They just go over horror movies and talk about them in a very nice relaxing cozy way they were just talking about the mist was their newest episode mm. and they talk about the end of that movie has that like ethereal middle eastern wailing and paul russ i believe brought up that it also does it in 50 first dates and it's like as a parody it's like yes. no no they try to get you to like <laughs> like feel that sad for like uh drew barrymore's amnesia like you know that was just the hot trend in the mid-2000s like oh you got a sad moment in a movie you know, Middle Eastern, like, throat singing. Like, it's... <laughs> I'm so happy that it's not around as much in movies. So, yeah, we're still meeting the team. Um, out of this team, I really enjoy Gina Rodriguez as Anya. Um, everyone else in this movie is really good, too. But, like, I think she's a really great actress. My parents were huge Jane the Virgin fans. I would catch That's, yeah. snippets of that um, throughout. My ex was real into that, had a big crush on her. I always really like Tessa Thompson. Oh, yeah. I think she's, yeah, she's really good. She's awesome, and she's really good and understated in, in this movie, and a very mm. low-key character. Um, but Gina Rodriguez is like, she's got a lot of dialogue. She's the most talkative, I would say, of this group, and she's really good. Um, and it's clear that she really worked out for this role and like, got kind of jacked, like, which is kind of cool. She's a little um, bulky. Yeah. Yeah, it's neat. Um that was funny. I, I was watching this with my brother and like we were talking about that. Like, yeah, she's kind of jacked. And like when she's carrying like, the weapons in later, I was like, you know what? This this kind of feels like another movie to me. This reminds me a little bit of Predator in the sense of like you have this team. This like, I mean, they're mm-hmm. more directly military in that. But like this team, all one gender, right? Facing off against an alien threat. And everybody has their own distinct like reactions and interpretations of how, what's going on around them. You're looking for a previous team of people or what may have happened to them, finding weird evidence of it, and like some people crack under the yeah. pressure. I'm like, it's, it's yeah. kind of a weird comparison to make, but it kind of tracks. A spiritual sequel to Predator. I, I totally. do really like when she picks up the giant gun and she's yeah. like, oh yeah. And it's like, no, nah, this is too, this is way too big to carry. But it's like Jesse the Body. It's then. like Jesse the Body with this fucking, with Old Baneless, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So they all talk about how they're, um, they also basically have all volunteered to go into Area X, studying it from different scientific perspectives. Um, like one of them is studying the magnetism aspect of it. Uh, like I said, Ventress is a psychologist. One of them's a uh, biologist. 
right or that's lena i suppose uh, yeah yeah ventress is the psychologist she's like the the one that's been choosing people yeah there you go that's to, it yes to go she into so. it and i i love like her motivation of it is that like there is only so long you can send people in and they're not coming back until you're like i've got to go myself yeah i need to figure it out yeah and they get into the whole thing about there's been no other all the other um teams have been men so it's like well why not try women you know women get the job done so let's (laughs) exactly let's send them in yeah so uh they kind of just cut to them going in and and it's interesting he said there's a little bit of a weird time jump where suddenly they've camped and they're like hey wait a minute how the fuck long have we been here they look at their equipment and uh compasses don't work uh communications can't get out they're all scrambled and so they're using the sun to navigate themselves to head towards the lighthouse. Uh, pretty quickly, they come across like this boat shed and get attacked by a massive albino alligator. Up With until this concentric point, concentric circle teeth. Yeah, like a shark. Yes, very cool. And a weird like leech thing in its throat, possibly another creature mm-hmm. or something like fused with it. Uh, pretty awesome. I love. Yeah, creature. It's a yeah. great set piece. I love the. Um like tarantino-esque shot from the the alligator's mouth like it feels yeah. like the trunk <laughs> they're shot all standing around it pulp yeah. fiction that's right yeah where they're just like getting guns out of the trunk <laughs> yeah it definitely felt like that to me um i do want to say though this this scene and one of the scene i should full-on love adore these scenes awesome creatures really well shot the way that they like ramp up the tension of their appearance and then all of that however i think the cg on this and one other creature kind there, of really there not were definitely good. shots really there not were definitely good at shots times. where it yeah. did not look the greatest um but then they would like shoot back to practical effects like yeah. the inside the mouth and all that when yeah. she's taking swaps and everything. Like, that's how practical it looks fantastic. I, I yeah. agree with you on this on this point. There was, like... Is is your... The other one, like, the very end? Or is it the bear? The bear. The, the very end, the I bear. feel like you have a little wiggle room because it's supposed to be this blank, featureless, otherworldly thing. But with the alligator... It's like liquid and, metal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, like, it's like the T-1000 or something, yeah. But, like, the alligator I... or the bear... I feel like they're supposed to be more grounded, like things that we, re- you know what I mean? Like, and there's just certain aspects of the, of the way they shoot these two creatures. Yeah. And like, you kind of over, overdid it there a little bit. It's so much in darkness that I'm okay yeah. with it. Like, it's oh, fine. And there's a lot of other aspects this of one. that scene to, yeah, to save it. But yes, this yeah. one, it's right. Um, in I, daylight, it is a bit rougher. Yeah, I, I think, too, Garland talked about how uh, I saw an interview where he was like, hey, you were, you know, like, Ex Machina was such a low-budget movie. Like, did you really enjoy having a much bigger, pay, you know, like, uh, like check like check for this one? And Garland's like, I felt like I had less money because you have more, but because you're but then you trying... Spend it. You're trying to do more, right? He's like, I'm, but I'm trying to achieve something much bigger than Ex Machina, and so I felt like I had even more limited resources because you realize, oh, what I got is not enough for what I intend. And so, hey, maybe the effects were you know, some part of that where he had bigger aspirations for them that they just couldn't do because of everything else. I will say, obviously, there's a lot of digital like 
construction of this of the environment, right? Like I would mm-hmm. imagine a lot of this is a soundstage or something. And the environments look fantastic. They really, really work for what he's going for here in establishing this this strange otherworldly place that is so familiar. And yet yeah, just and like off. a swampland, but yeah. it, it, there's differences there. I like when they're going into the boathouse, there's all these, the flowers, and Portman is like, well, this is weird because they're all coming from the same structure, but they don't look like the same plant. Yeah, totally. It's very interesting. It's, it's um, fantastic, yeah. So, uh... To, to get to, like, the next uh, effect thing that I really like, let's just, they, they eventually find their way to that army base... They find, like, a videotape that's like, oh, it should be left for them, and then they watch it. And then we see Oscar Isaac, like, cut open a guy's stomach. Like, that, it all was great to me. Intestines are all wriggling around. Yeah, that's cool. The intestines are moving around, and then the thing that gets me is Oscar Isaac puts his hand in there, and the intestines (laughs) are, like, going, like, wiggling over his hand. Like, it looks fantastic. There's something about the way it's shot where, like, Oscar Isaac, is he shirtless in the video, too? I don't know why in my memory he's, like, shirtless in the video. Maybe he's probably not. I don't think so. I think the guy they're doing it to is shirtless. Oh, definitely, yeah. But there's something about the way that, like, it starts and it's a handheld, like, camcorder. Mm -hmm. And Oscar Isaac, like, looking at the camera, looking back at the guy. It's almost like an MTV Cribs thing. Like, yo, yo, check this out. I got, (laughs) I have a guy with moving intestines here. That's such that crazy look on his face. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's that's that gets me every time. It's great. And I love Gina Rodriguez's uh reaction of just like, no, yes. that, it's, it's wrong. It's it's not it's, it's a, a trick, trick of the light. light. Yeah. Yeah, she's I'm she's a paramedic. I've seen everything, and but the, the best part about it is they're like, we'll watch it again, and she's automatically, <laughs> No, I'm not gonna watch it again. Dude, it is so much like the the fucking creepy person in your office trying to show you like <laughs> faces of death videos or something like hey just watch this again look at this open that attachment i sent you like, no i know the shit you try to show me man get the fuck out of here <laughs> i've been down this road one too many times now. <laughs> so yeah they they also this is where they find uh the biggest the biggest piece of evidence as to why this is a mushroom may movie they find a man plastered to the wall it's mm. the same guy who was cut open by oscar isaac He's plastered to the wall. Extremely cool design as a bunch of fungus yes. has overtaken his body. And um, really, really great skull on it where you got the, the eyes looking one direction and the jawbone going the other way. Yeah. All but overgrown like with mushrooms. Ten feet above where it should be. Yeah. That's the thing that gets me on that thing. Uh, it just, it looks so crazy. But it looks like, yeah, that his body kept growing i love it and it's expanding incredible. itself yeah and yeah. fused with these with these mushrooms uh hey kind of a lot like you know troll where we have a wizard turned into a mushroom mm-hmm. we got similarities here parallels you know um <laughs> so yeah they, they camp here and it's uh i think maybe it's right before this then we have an explanation from uh shepherd about like the various traumas that all the characters have, have everyone's endured. been through yeah everyone has like a problem they're dealing with anya is a former addict um or she's sober therefore an addict i think is how shepherd puts addict, it yeah uh radic has like self-harm uh scars on her arms and there's a great line there about like oh she tried to kill herself no i think she was trying to feel more alive um 
which is an interesting thing to say in terms of like this movie's yeah. themes so- of self-destruction, you know? Uh, yes, yes. And we learned that uh, Ventress has no friends and basically no life outside of her work. Uh, but we don't quite and know she's yet. dying of cancer. Yeah, I think we find that a little later, right? But like here, it's just like she's got no friends. She's We don't know much about her. Mm-hmm. We don't know why she would decide to come in here. Obviously, this is implying that they are all suspicious about Lena as well because they don't know why she is here. The The fact that Kane is her husband has been kept a secret. Um, and Ventress like, kind of clocks that she decides not to tell anybody. So in the middle of the night, after they discover this intestines guy... Uh, poor Shepard. Oh, we find out she had a, uh, a husband and child that that died too. Yeah. Um, from leukemia. Poor Shepard is yanked away by a bear in the middle of the night, just full on, just like yep, like yoinked out of it existence. It's just like instantaneously, you're like oh, something's coming. Nope. Blah, blah. Two seconds, yeah. she's gone. Hole in the fence. And they're like oh well, <laughs> she's gone. Can't do anything. It's pretty. Yeah. It, it's 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 fantastic. Um. I think right after this, in the morning, they decide they have to keep moving. Uh, Lena convinces them the fastest way to get out is to go further into the lighthouse and then follow the shoreline out. So kind of like, yeah, we do have to get out of here, I agree with you, but at the same time, we're going to keep completing this mission. She still wants to go to the lighthouse. She's still itching to see what it is, but is logically able to explain to the people who want to turn back, well, the fastest way would just be to continue on. Yeah, and uh, I think I run this is regular when she adventures as cancer. Yeah, okay, and this is right when they they like something happens or they find a shoe. So then she's like, "Well, maybe Shepard's still alive. Let me go." And I, th- I so I think this is the point. If there's ever a moment to explain what the movie's about, I think this scene and one other scene covers it when she sees the deer double yeah that was next to my list of notes yep i love this moment this yeah is fantastic so she she comes across this deer who's got like flowers on the antlers it's like really really thin it doesn't look like a real deer like as it should be it's some yeah. other kind of woodland nymph type of thing but then we get an automatic there's a double right next to it who is a little shimmery a little different colored and then as they run away, it is the exact same movements yeah, throughout. Yeah, like, like in sync. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And um, earlier there's there's a whole line about uh, how a lot of these things in this place are... They, she describes it as a duplication of form. I think she says this when yes. looking at the flowers. And she goes, an echo. And that whole term, an echo, is... Uh, you're right, it's a way to explain essentially everything that's going on here where things are being duplicated and replicated, but it's an echo. It's maybe a hollow version of the thing it's replicating, right? Or it's not hollow, it's something different. Because even then, when the deer run off, they're not running perfectly in sync. Like, the shimmery one is a little bit behind the other one, even though they're doing the same movements. But it's making all of the same movement. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, yeah. Yeah, uh... Man, I love the ideas of this movie. It's so, like, playing in a weird, heady space. I love that it's not... It's deciding to explain things visually, for the most part, um, like with the deer. And we haven't really talked about it, but I'll go ahead and get to the other scene that I think about it. So, as we're doing this, we're cutting, uh, you know, like I said, nonlinear, but we're cutting to the fact that Lena had an affair 
We don't know. We assume it's after Kane has gone missing. We're not really sure of the timeline, but we're thinking it's after Kane has been missing in action. And it's Daniel, the, the man from the very beginning of the movie. And she has a point where like, she's angry with him, saying this is the last time. Um, he's talking about how he does love his wife, but he seems to, to really care about Lena and perhaps wants to, you know, uproot his whole life about it. But he says, like, very specifically, you know, you don't hate me, it's you hate yourself. And I think, I think the deer and this scene really are, like, the crux of the movie. Like, yeah, totally. Both of these to be able to unpack everything else that comes along in the movie. Yeah, because it, it is so much about, like, self-examination. It's like, what am I the same person that made that decision? Both to, like, marry Kane and then betray him later. Like, is that literally the same Lena, like, who's who's doing this weird self-destructive thing? And why would you want to self-destruct when you love Kane and you made this choice to, like, you know, make a vow to him, whatever? Uh, and then how does that affect Kane? And then, like, when he comes back and he's so cold, of course her first thought's going to be, like, she says it later, like, he knows somehow, right? Like, even though he he's knows, gone, yeah. even though he might be dead, he knows. And when he comes back and is acting so cold to her, like, it's just a confirmation of, like, yeah, I fucked up and I did I did this horrible, awful thing. Yeah. Which is why I she... I think that's interesting. The, yeah. the way you put it there, like, am I the same person? As we're talking about, like, cells dying to Kane... Like, are are we the same person day to day? Like, are our cells not replicating, destroying, dying? I, are, are we the same? Yeah, I heard some fact years ago. I was a teenager when I heard this, which means I may have been a different person then because of what I'm about to say. But I heard some fact that, like, every seven years, like, your body is essentially a brain new body like you know all the cells right. have died off and replicated into new ones except for brain cells of course like it's a little different um it so it really that, is like the ship of theseus like hey we keep replacing i was literally just about to bring that up yes yeah. um alex garland cited that in an interview about an inspiration okay. for uh how he approached the story of this right like um is it the same ship if you replace all the parts to it over time every plank of wood has been taken off you know exchange for another rebuilt right is it still the same vessel um uh, you know. i also really like they do that at john dies at the end i have not seen that, that yet yeah oh so like the very beginning is they're doing they're doing that thought experiment but with the farmer's axe and like yes. this guy coming to kill him but it's like yeah if you have the the axe head and the handle like, you change out one, and then years go later, you change out the other. Is it the same axe? Both parts have been changed, but it's still, yeah, theoretically, yeah. Yeah, and for the record, all... Alex Garland says that he subscribes to the answer of both. That's why he says it's both the same okay. and not the same. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, this is where we're, yeah, we're getting a lot more about talk of self-destruction how it's hard-coded into our dna this is something adventurous says um, which pertains to uh lena's research about cells how uh she saw it as god's accident but ventress here has a more nihilistic approach of like no it's it's designed that way like we are meant to die uh we are meant to betray ourselves right cigarettes alcohol uh you know infidelity 
we make just these like choices. All the bad decisions we make. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we make them subconsciously. We don't say to ourselves, I want to live a shorter life and then light up a cigarette. It's, you know, we have well... some other... <laughs> Maybe some people. But we have other some other subconscious, like, thing programmed into us that tells us to, like, do these dangerous things we know we shouldn't do. We know are bad for us. Uh, and yet we do them anyway. It's just a weird facet of human psychology. Um... They also find a ton of people made out of, like, plant people, made out of sticks and flowers. There's a, some interesting talk here about how if you take, like, the DNA structure of a plant and build it out, it's a human body. I don't quite understand. This was a little over my head. I kind of get what they're saying. Uh, I believe it's like if you test those plants, it would have the same helix structure as a human. Yeah. And that all, like, because in, in our cells have the ability to be any cell. That's what's one of the most fascinating things about biology. It's just whether the right switches are flipped on or not. Right. And this is and a, this is sort of what I was trying to get at last week with uh, In the Earth. I probably didn't say it as coherently. You just did. But um, this idea that, yeah, everything is all just a collection of cells and it's just a matter of, mm-hmm. like, you know, circumstance, essentially, that we are what we are now. Um, right. Right, yeah, and I think that's and what, again, as she was th- saying, like, well, no, as, as Josie was saying, was this like, yeah, if it's all of these ones have that as a human, so that the, like there's a certain cell of our shoulder has the, all the shoulder cells flipped on, and that if you examine this human plant thing, yeah, it would be human. It's very cool. I love it. I I love that uh, Garland, like Ben Wheatley within the Earth, is taking these interesting ideas about biology and like using them as, as interesting metaphor i yeah i think this is the thing to get into mushroom may i think this is one of the horrifying the most horrifying things of the movie there is the top horrifying thing we are getting really close to now yeah let's get to that uh so they stop down again for the night however uh a bunch of distrust has begun sowing seeds within the group uh anya especially is very suspicious of lena and her and her role in this and her friendship with seemingly like her talks with ventress about certain things so she decides she's gonna knock everybody out tie him to chairs and you know uh she make has them confess make the confess yeah. she has learned that lena and kane are married or were married and that ventress hid this from that from her so she also does not know if radic uh, Tessa Thompson's character has also hid this from her. So she... She's uh, also going through something. She says she can see her fingerprints moving. Yeah. And she's afraid really cool. that if you opened her up like the guy in the video, that her insides would also be moving. Yeah, clearly that stuck with her. Right. A and, genuine fear, yeah. Uh, she's also very upset that they seemingly just abandoned looking for Shepard. That Shepard is possibly killed and or, you know, they, have, they don't know what her status is and yet they're just moving on. I could be totally misreading this, but is it implied that Anya is gay? Uh, I always thought that was pretty. Because there's, there's yeah, something in the beginning seemed... where she talks about when she's talking to Nellie Portman in the very beginning and she says something. Oh, oh I she's had, hitting. She's, she's like, I yeah. had to shoot my shot, right? She's like, I had to. Yeah, like, Shepard's like, yeah. do you have to hit on every single That's right. Yeah. person? And she's like, uh, I, I might be dead in three days, you know, I gotta so do there what was, I do. Yeah, there was something about, like, her, the way she's talking about Shepard in the scene, 
uh, being missing, where it's like, oh, d- did she have like feelings for Shepard? Yeah. Um, speaking of Shepard, they start hearing "Help me" being yelled at side. Um, I find it was interesting too. I just I really like where she's talking about. Uh, you know, we know that she's like talking about how we know Lena is a liar and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just an interesting thing for Lena's journey as she's reflecting on her affair <laughs> to be like, oh yeah, I'd lie all the time. Just have it pointed out mm. to her. Like that is part of who I am. Like I do lie. That's a good point. I keep information from people. I, you know, I do things like that. It's interesting. So we started hearing help me. Anya runs out to go find Shepard because it's her voice. And we just hear a scream. And suddenly, coming into the door, we have a fantastic, fantastic movie monster. One of the most memorable in the yeah. past ten years. Uh, it's great. I, I, yeah, I have it written down. Like, it's the scariest thing of the 2010s. Yeah. Like, it is a... I think it is just so up there in, in imagination and, like, the fear it instills in me. Yeah, so it is a faceless zombie bear. It's got a big ol' eye missing, and a chunk of its face is just bone. And it's screaming in a human voice, help me. Uh, Did it's you notice fantastic. there's like also a human skull? Yes, like there's part of a human skull, of too. Yeah. So yeah. the implication being that uh, the DNA of this bear and Shepard have gotten twisted up. Because that's the big thing that's going on, is that like things are merging, like the crocodile and a shark, possibly... Um, like the the various flowers, you know, the deer and the flowers and the plants, the man and the thing, things are getting combined and intertwisted. Um, I don't remember if they said it yet, but like DNA is being refracted by the shimmer. I think it's like right after this, but I think yeah. the one thing I noticed is when she goes and finds the body of Shepard is that Shepard's throat is torn out. Yeah. So implying that the bear was eating it, and like that might be why it has the vocal capability. Yes. As it's like, it's, I mean, it's so fucking. Yeah. Just amazing. Like, as it opens its mouth, ow! <laughs> no. uh, if I'm making a reach for the movie. Um, we, they talk about how Shepard's, uh, her background is that she is a mother who lost her child. Um, mother bear, a mother bear in distress. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Could be. Uh, the other thing about this bear, the visual effects artist who worked on this, and sadly I don't have his name in front of me, I just have his quote, but he also was a visual effects artist on the Paddington movies, and uh, he talks about how, I teased this connection last week, he talks about how in Paddington, Paddington is, is a nice bear named after a... Um, a, a, a train stop in King Station and you know Paddington is where the name comes from it's where they find him originally so that's what they name him after and so when he was working on Ex Machina or not sorry Ex Machina Annihilation he named this bear Homerton because Homerton is a, an evil bear or a bad bear and Homerton mm-hmm. in uh, as a train stop is a little on the rougher side of town I suppose so this bear's name is Homerton if you want to you want to call him that that's fun. Cousin of Paddington. Yeah. Uh, so it comes in. It's like sniffing around. It's yelling. It's screaming, help me. It's about to start attacking uh, those tied up in the chairs, Ventress, Radic, and Lena. When Anya comes back in and she shoots it with her, her giant gun, it comes after her and, hey, great kill here. It fucking tears her jaw off. Like, it just, like, yeah. rips her to shreds. 
fucking uh uh fucking revenant eat your heart out man it's pretty great it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> i mean that seems pretty well done too but like this is this is this is great there was just a thing about bear attacks in movies for a little like for a couple of years there i don't know I, I mean, it started really with the Wicker Man, right? As like it's true. he's in the bear suit and he runs up and punches <laughs> Sobieski in the face. That's like one of the most like greatest cinematic achievements of all time. <laughs> just out of nowhere, this giant bear guy in a bear suit just punches this blonde woman. Uh, amazing. So. <laughs> I'm not for violence against women. I just oh, no. think it's really funny sometimes when it happens. Nicolas Cage in a bear suit should be able to punch whoever he wants, though, regardless of gender. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, during all during uh, while Anya is being killed, Braddock is able to get free and shoots the bear to death. All right. Uh, the next day, everyone is sort of like. I think this is where Ventures Ventures uh, Ventures off alone. Ventures off, right? Yeah. So it is just Lena and Radic left. Uh, Radic is going through some shit after having to kill that bear and through everything she's seen. She looks at her well, self-inflicted wounds yeah. on her arm, and That's she the sees thing. She has... plants growing in them. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, she has her hey, sleeves are short now. Very much like the ruins, seeing plants and wounds. It's very fucked up, and uh, you know, it always that always gets me. Just seeing like things sprouting out of your arm is it's fucking it's gnarly. So, I love the scene, yeah, where it's just like she's just just barely ahead of Portman. Yeah. And she's like kind of, you know, getting through the, the shrubbery or whatever. And then as Portman comes out, it's like she's gone. Yeah. There's these, there's, there's there's all of these plant people. A field of plant people. And you it's, don't know. It's very poetic and gorgeous. I love that moment. And it's like, it's it's very, that's this is one of the more surreal moments because it is like she turns a corner. Lena is right behind her. And then she's just mm-hmm. completely gone. Uh, I really like it, but I really like what she says right before it, where she says, you know, Ventress wants to face it, like, you want to destroy it, I don't think I want to do either. And there's something interesting here about just embracing the chaos of this world, right? And the way she says it, it's almost reverent of, like, she maybe is not love, doesn't like being here, but there is something about to the idea of, like, being integrated into everything else, the world around you, right of finding coming like everything else yeah it is she's right it, it can be kind of comforting yeah it's yeah. like yeah you become one with everything that's kind of awesome like it's it's pretty cool uh i mean that's a lot of like the the theories on you know death and stuff is that you yeah. become one with everything and if and if we look at her past too as somebody who self-harmed like it's i don't know it's nice for the character to be able to find a sort of comfort you know what I mean? Somebody who's obviously troubled. Yeah. And the way Tessa plays her is she's very quiet and reserved, you know, and like something underneath know. the surface. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, so great moment. This is where we have uh, Lena get, making it now to the lighthouse. And uh, she when she goes inside, she says, oh, first of all, she's a bunch of crystallized trees outside, which I guess is a reference to that that novel I talked about. This is where we get... Oh, we also have different sections. Area X, the Shimmer, and then now the Lighthouse is a different chapter. Mm-hmm. I kind of laughed when I just said the Lighthouse. I was like, oh, uh, wrong movie suddenly. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now it's in black and white uh, and letterboxed. Huh. <laughs> thinking about it, I I don't believe it's a uh, Lighthouse in the book. Now that I'm thinking about it, there was this, like, this kind of large mound. And they described it as a tower. 
Mm. But it's going in the earth. And so it's like a, you know, the, the spirally staircase, you know, yeah. continuing to go down. And in it, it's like there's this kind of jellyish monster that's running its hand along the wall. And as it does that, there's writing that kind of looks weird and looks alive and growing and it doesn't really match up with again like the end you know he doesn't he didn't reread it before so yeah it's a it's an interesting parallel that i don't think you can gain anything from reading before or after it's just what it is totally yeah that's interesting uh he also said too because this is a trilogy of books the uh southern reach trilogy The second book I don't think had been published by the time he was writing this, and he had not read the other books. He's still not read them as of the last interviews I I, I uh, listened. To I have not thing. read them either. So yeah, but I'm interested. I'm very curious about that now and seeing what else where else this idea can go and like what could happen next. If you know, yeah, I'm very curious. I'm I'm definitely gonna gonna read these. Um, so when she goes inside, she finds a tripod with a camera on it. When she plays back the video. This is one of my favorite scenes in a movie because, first of all, it's kind of creepy and weird. Second of all, Oscar Isaac suddenly has an inexplicable Southern accent. Yeah. <laughs> I never, so... I didn't notice on any of the other things it's with him. So I'm wondering if this is like the first thing they shot and maybe. then afterwards was like, can we take it down? Like, a piece of, the tri- a, a piece of trivia I saw is that this was shooting in the, in a, adjacent sound stages to uh the last jedi which oscar isaac is also in he used the yeah. same trailer for both and occasionally had days that crossed over where he was on one morning working on or one day working on annihilation and the last jedi in the same day so maybe That's he spent crazy. too much because maybe he spent too much time around much the Brits movie on that, last well, jedi yeah you know exactly. <laughs> um I don't know. He doesn't really have too much in each movie, though. Like he's, I don't think he's in Last Jedi that much, right? Uh, he's no, he's he's in it quite a bit. He's got a whole subplot in that one. That's the one of the new trilogy that he's in the most, I'd say. He he's barely in Force Awakens. I mean, he's got a little bit in the last one, but Last Jedi, he's got I, like yeah, a whole arc. I guess in so. that movie. I guess so. Yeah, uh, he's got a lot of dialogue in that one because he's got to like handle all the mutiny stuff, and then he's you know. Yeah, he's he's around for a lot of it. I would say he's maybe that pulled him away from this a little bit. I don't know because he's not in this so. movie. Maybe a whole lot. maybe I just blocked out most much of that movie for yeah. reasons mm. of my own. Mm. <laughs> we'll talk about that another time. So, but his accent in the scene where he's on video, he's like, "I thought I was a man named K. Now I don't know anymore." Like it's so straight. He almost sounds like Forrest Gumpy. It is. It's odd, yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird choice. But hey, if I want to do some work for the movie, maybe that's just how he's been altered here in, in like, the shimmer. True. It's like affected his vocal cords. They've gotten scrambled well, around. Maybe, because so part of it also is like we haven't gotten to. So Natalie Portman in the present, mm-hmm. you know, wraparounds, she has a tattoo, yeah. which was not on her when she entered it it was uh rodriguez's right yes she's the one that had the it was tattoo. anya's yeah and it's a snake so, eating its own tail or a boros self-destruction right. in mm-hmm. in like a, a figure eight which is real cool i i don't usually yeah. see them like that usually you just see them like a circle but maybe he did that with another person yeah. on the team and he took on their 
affectations of I voice. like that it, I like that theory a lot I didn't think of that I yeah. thought it was just a weird Oscar Isaacism because isn't he doing I have not watched Moon Knight but I've heard he has got a real weird accent in that too I have not watched any of Moon Knight either which I need to because it's got my boy Hawk in it that's right that's right oh yeah um, I hear he's really good in it too so uh, in this video Kane is talking about how he does not know who he is anymore he's not even sure of his status as a person if he's even human uh, he has no clue. He tells this mysterious cameraman, if you get out of here, find Lena. And you hear a voice reply, I will. He then pulls out a phosphorus grenade, says it gets very bright. He pulls the trigger and, like, pulls the, the pin and immolates himself, just burns to death. As this is happening, the cameraman walks out, and it's another cane. It's the slicked back cane that bah, bah, eventually bah. appears to yeah. Lena. Very cool twist. Very interesting stuff. So, uh... Of course, Lena is very distraught by this. There's a hole in the lighthouse she goes down into where she finds Ventress. This is a scene... I... I it's This is a scene, right? I just... I don't... I lose all grasp of what's going on here. Um, yeah. in, a, in a good and bad way, I'd say. I, I like that it's confusing. I like that it's, there's not much explanation for what is happening at this point. But specifically what happens to Ventress... She, yeah, it's up to your own interpretation. I, I also will say real quick, when I saw yeah. this in theaters, I saw it with a couple friends, and they were late to the point where we were, like, in the second or third row of the movie, which really irks me. I always tried to be, oh, like, middle-middle. Yeah. Um, but I that was the way to see that movie. So you are, like, pressed right up against it, and the sound of that scene is just so overwhelming uh, throughout Oh yeah, it's awesome. I love that too. It was a great theater experience. I saw it with a friend of mine who um, we were both big fans of Annihilation together, and we'd both seen uh, Paddington together, so we had a good laugh about that bear stuff. Bear, but uh, he, uh, yeah, but he he came out of it just so, and I was too. I'm, he's not alone in this, but just so confused that he was just like, I really can't even say if I liked it or not because like there's just so much to digest and chew on. Which, uh, to me, hey, good or bad, I like when a movie just requires you to think and put things together for yourself. I think he came around to liking it. But, um, yeah, I totally understand his position of, like, I I have to make sense of what the fuck I just saw. Especially this Ventress mm-hmm. scene, uh, where she starts going off and rambling and, like, is saying these weird cryptic things. She says, our bodies will be fragmented into smaller parts until not one part remains. Annihilation. Then, after she says that, a bunch of lights shoot out of her mouth, and she kind of weirdly turns Hot. into, like, strange gold bubbles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Women be turning into bubbles. I don't know. <laughs> We've all seen this before. But then, yeah, we get the weird, like, uh, Mobius strip, right? Like, that's yeah. what it's... It's, like, feeding in on itself in, like, one of those, uh... One of those, like, jelly hand things, you know? Yeah. You know what I'm talking totally. about? That's like, yeah. Uh, but it then it like Lena bleeds and it sucks it in, and then all of a sudden there's a alien. If I she had tries to, to shoot it, uh, offer an explanation for what's happening. I mean, she mentions annihilation. So in the same way that certain things here are being refracted and mixed up, other things are being broken down to their basest like forms. Right, so that they can then be rebuilt by other things. So what I think is going on here is that like Ventress is being essentially reduced to nothing. She's being annihilated. 
right? The result of this annihilation is a formless nothing. It, it's just the essence of a person, right? Like with nothing else on top Potential. of it. Potential. No, yeah, exactly. There's no, uh, none of Ventress's biology or history, psycho, whatever. None of that remains. It's literally just the form of a person, this silvery thing. When the blood mixes in it is then when it starts to replicate and duplicate uh, Lena. And so it's essentially they broke down Ventress and are rebuilding her into Lena, into a version of Lena, some version of Lena, right? Which is the scene we get here. Very, very interesting scene as we hear this this great trumpeting noise um, that will never leave your head. Just these like three notes of like, they're deep and bassy and synthy. Uh, it's very Inception-esque. Cool. Yes, totally. And uh, uh, I love it. And I saw an interview with Garland where he was like, yeah, he's like, I, I try, I purposely try to sort of forget my previous movie. And like, you know, there's something when you like release a movie, you sort of like leave all these aspects of it behind when you try to move on and do something different. But sure. he says like, but he says that like note those notes still play in his head all the time. When he's like, when he first saw that, he was like, oh, this is brilliant. Like I got the right people for the job for the score. Like, he, yeah, he loves that. I yeah, um, I can imagine because it's it's such an art form that like you have to you have to finish with it. Like we're not all George Lucas's. We're not all gonna yeah. go back like twenty five years later to be able to to make it exactly how we want it due to technology or money or anything. Like you have to surrender at some point to be like this is finished. This is done. There's nothing more. It's yeah. going out to wide audiences. Like I've said so what I, I wanted kinda, to say. Yeah. Yeah, respect that. That you're just like, well, I'm it's out there. I'm done with it now. You know, I wish you would go back. I wish you would go back and make this silvery like person thing same a clunky before it blows up, before you, it burns to death. You you just want the scene where she's in the college. And mm-hmm. there's Jabba the Hut, and she steps over the tail. <laughs> Digitally stepped over the tail. On the tail, yeah. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, yeah, this this thing is mimicking her movements exactly. It's very freaky the way it does it. The most harrowing part of this is when she tries to escape. She has to run at the door, and it pins her against the wall. It's extremely sexual the way it has her pinned there, and she's trapped and struggling to get free to the that, point where she can't breathe. Yeah. That part is is really, really harrowing. And that is one of the more intense parts of the movie where it's like, oh, suddenly, like, oh, shit. Like, is that what's going to happen here? Is that what this mm-hmm. thing is going to do to her? But it eventually releases her. She Well, it, it doesn't exactly release her. Is that she, it pins her to the door and she's fighting against it. And as more, the more that she fights against it, the more it's pressing her. Yeah. And then so when she eventually does pass out, it... It, yeah, it doesn't release her. It it also passes out. It is right. co- it yeah. is mimicking copying. So then they are both on the floor, like lying, facing different directions. Yeah, totally. Uh, yes, you're right. I've heard that exact detail, but that is that is interesting. You stop fighting against it, and yeah. Uh, so she's looking at it again after she after she comes to, and it starts to form into her mm-hmm. starts to become her uh she picks up another phosphorus grenade and then she pulls the pin leaves it in her hand in its hand uh in the new lena's hand and she gets out of there as it blows up um 
this is one of the things that Garland kind of was like, okay, I'm going to explain. But it then starts to assimilate the phosphorus, the burning fire, which is why everything around it does too. The shimmer is then now refracting this phosphorus and the destructive aspect of it then spreads throughout the whole thing. And it seemingly destroys the entire shimmer. We see all the plant, all the crystal trees collapse. Uh, we see everything burst into flames as she gets the fuck the out of The actual shimmer just, like, dissipates. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting that it is it is our own self-destruction that she uses as a tool yeah. against the alien. And that, it, totally. like, like I was saying, it comes back to, like, you don't hate me, you actually hate yourself. Yeah. Like, that's that's what you're angry about, is you're mad at the bad decisions you have made that have led you to this point to sleeping with me a a handsome black man colleague which okay um you know what he is providing some really interesting themes there but what a fucking what the the gall of this character (laughs) i yeah i get it it's pretty crazy he loves his life but he's like yeah i'm shooting my wife i love her and you're the problem here it's like okay man jesus like very very comfortable with your in your in the (laughs) <laughs> as you're in your you're not telling me if if natalie portman came to you with those big sad eyes oh sure sure look i'm not know, saying that not, just the fact that like, yeah. this, he's he's so confident about what he's saying you know what i mean it's like yeah, yes he's just like yeah i'm a piece of shit you know and so are you and you don't like that and it's like oh, okay i guess yeah <laughs> but you're right and he's that like is hey a let's be a piece of shit together discussion. and she's like yeah nah, nah. <laughs> So now we cut back to the framing device of being interviewed by Lomax, and he's just interested in like, oh, you saw an alien? Was it carbon-based? Like, what did it want? And she's like, I don't think I wanted anything. We have another great shot here of her hand then refracted through the water glass, and um, I don't know if this is done digitally, but you see like a you see a droplet of water split off into two, which is a really nice little little visual. Well, one of the things is when Kane's in the house and when he before he starts bleeding, he drinks the water and then there's blood in it. And that's where he's like, I don't feel that good. And then yeah. as she takes a drink of water, we see that it's clear. So it seems this is the actual human equivalent. Mm-hmm. Although there is question later on because she go they immediately like let her go and meet Kane. Yes. Who's woken up. He's woken up. He's started to recover since the shimmers disappeared. His hair now is a little bit more, a little bit more like the older canes. It's a little longer and like it kind of resembles what he looked like in the video. And uh, he's much more talkative. And uh, he asks her, "Are you Lena?" She doesn't answer, but he hugs her anyway. And then we see both of their eyes are a little bit shimmery. They have a little of the color mm-hmm. goo in them. Uh, I think this is a very nice ending for the two of them. It's very interesting where it does not quite matter if this is the original Lena or not. This is a Lena who's had the experience of going through the shimmer and had the experience yeah. of being doubled, mimicked, like has been able to literally literally self-reflect on her choices and has discarded this previous version of herself or this other side of herself. And is now not concerned with, like, is this the real Kane? This is a Kane. And that's what she wants, right? Uh, I think it's, it's very interesting. With. Yeah, it's it's really, it's quite beautiful. Also, too, there's a whole thing, too, about, like, we see a flashback of Kane when he is leaving for Area X. And he's very nihilistic in that moment of being like, like, it doesn't matter where, he kind of says it doesn't matter where I'm going. 
you know yeah. it's like i can't say doesn't matter I'll, I'll see you later so you get some sense that he is not maybe not happy with their relationship at that point either um and that's the last time she sees him before he disappears for a year so uh you know there's there's some relatability in her decision uh after he's missing for so long with no communication um anyway i think uh to wrap this movie up on with uh, some final thoughts and so we can get into ratings. What are we going to rate it out of? Going a little yeah. long. Uh, zombie bears. Zombie uh, hum- bears? Hum- human-voiced bears. Um, I like there's it. There's another thing. I'm trying to think of something else. Uh, uh, <laughs> intestine worms. In- have... I like int- intestine worms is good. I was trying to think yeah. of a way to put that. I th- I'm going to say intestine worms. I really right. like that because well, that's an aspect of this movie I forgot about that I really enjoy. So yeah, it's great. All right, you can start us off. Let's do it. I really, really enjoy this movie. I think um, a lot like in the Earth, it's got some crazy great ideas. It's utilizing a lot of real world aspects to then twist them into sci fi horror and to into deeper questions about ourselves and our psychology and human biology and so many other things that encompasses a lot of um fields of like research and science in order to discuss something very interesting and weird and horrifying um it gets into like existential terror of like how can you say you're the same person as you were so many years ago like your body is constantly changing there's mutations growing with inside of us right now. That's what cancer is, right? Cancer is a strange mutation that gets out of control. Uh, speaking very personally, um, I, I a couple of years ago was diagnosed with lymphoma. Uh, I'm all clear now, gone through treatment, and everything. But this movie hit different since <laughs> since all that happened to me. Uh, it, it's it's very interesting. It's like, am I the same person as I was pre-diagnosis, post-treatment? Like it's it's very hard to say. And uh, who knows? I don't want to get too dark, but is it a lingering thing, you know, that's going to come back at some point? I don't know. Just saying I related to this movie in a very different way now watching it as I did then, which is also something interesting to think about. Am I the same person that watched Annihilation in theaters for the first time? Are you the same person at the end of the movie after you've gone through and been exposed to these ideas and this story? Are we the same person right now, Murph, that, as the people that started this podcast? That started this podcast? No, I don't think so. I, who can say? I mean, I, I, maybe I'll log off and go find, like, fucking tree branches growing out of my back or something. I don't know. It could <laughs> or happen. you just, you, you walk into your living room and there's another Greg sitting on the couch. <laughs> with, and yeah, you're like, hey, it? that's my bong. He's like, is it? Yeah. I, I mean, hey, uh, someone else helped. You know, help with the rent. I'm not gonna complain. <laughs> yeah, clean up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. yeah. <laughs> We're doing a, a multiplicity type of movie. I got gotcha. exactly. Uh, all of this said, I find something strange with this movie uh, in terms of like execution, where I love a lot of what it's doing and its ideas. Some of it comes off a little too cold. It's maybe got too many ideas to support all of them. Um, I, it, it's tough. It just does not get me as like amped as it should in terms of like all the things it's doing and talking about are things that really fascinate me. And I think it's doing all this very well. I love the atmosphere of this movie. I think it looks really good with its like overgrown aesthetic, all the plants like hanging 
oh you know hanging down in every frame and you have the wonderful creature designs maybe not the best realized trip to cg and maybe that that helps with my my feelings about it in terms of like there's just something slightly missing from this to really propel it into masterpiece territory for me uh, i prefer ex machina as a movie i think it's 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 smaller and tighter and what it's talking about um even though the confusing nature of this movie is kind of a draw as well because there's a lot to think about and stew on for a long time even after multiple watches i think ex machina has questions that are more like they're better put i guess and then more explain explained and explored in a more interesting way um this one it leaves you with so many questions about so many things about a lot of different characters that it has become a little overwhelming. Um, and I can see where maybe like reading the book would help with that. But there's just, there's so much to sit on and stew and things that are, you know, touched upon in this with the other characters in the team and everything uh, that I don't know if it's able to fully do everything justice. So for my rating, I think I'm going to go 4.3 intestine worms. Hmm. See, I I get where you're coming from from this, but to me, this is the masterpiece. I think Ex Machina is a wonderful jump-off point for, you know, the directorial debut, if we're not counting Dread and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I think, I mean, I, yeah, I think everything that you're saying is what I like about it. I like that there's so many ideas in it. I like that we're not getting a lot of answers that we're not getting things explained to us there's no hand holding we're, we're we're shown this uh like wong says it at one point or he asked natalie portman in the wraparounds like it was it nightmarish and she goes not always sometimes it was beautiful yeah and i feel like that's what this movie is with the horror aspects but then just general with the um the philosophical implications that we get into with it as as we've talked about are we the same person is the is the bear a completely different being once it's absorbed you know the dna of somebody else like you would obviously think like well this is a separate this is a third version we had the bear we had shepherd now there is something in between yeah and i i think just all of the acting it's phenomenal. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee does such a good job as a bad guy when she's not even really a bad guy. Um, she is not the the best. Like she has her own agenda, but I would not. I would not say she is the antagonist of the story. Um, she becomes. I. It feels a little bit more like that in the book, from what I remember. But this one, it just seems like she has something that she wants to do. Yeah. And after after sitting in that office, staring at this unknown for so long, it just, it drove her insane. She looked into the abyss, and the abyss was looking back at her. Hey, that's a great way to put it. And you know, it's interesting, because I think a part of my, what I'm talking about with the other characters that maybe don't, aren't, don't have... Or to me didn't feel like they that he fully did them justice i think she might have been one of them because like i love jennifer jason lee but she's very very stoic in this and she's great i i think it works what's going on i just think in terms of like that final moment with her 
it's so yeah. abstract and strange what's going on there. I'm like, I can't tell if that it was even a good end to her character or not. <laughs> or like, I, you know, it, it's, uh, and, and in a sense, you I like think that. But she I'll, got the yeah. ultimate answer. And like, that's what she was looking for. And it's like, she wanted to know what it was. And she ultimately became it to a degree. Yeah. Like it enveloped her and transformed her. Uh, and, you know, especially since she has the cancer diagnosis, uh, diagnosis like right yeah that's what she was looking for was a transformation to no longer have this or the transformation before her conscious living being into the dead one yeah very interesting see i don't know this is something uh i'm sorry i'll let you finish but yeah uh go ahead and finish i mean i get what you're you're coming at like i think josie has that like we get enough of it she's unsure she's wanting to feel alive she feels disconnected and then at the end of it, she is connected to the earth. She is now a plant living being that is not just on its own. It is coming from and part of the earth. That it's uh, a family, a cycle type of idea. You have Anya, who was, was so distressed about being lied to and then gets lied to by a bear's you know, screaming <laughs> voice in the middle of the night. Wow, that's uh, I, a, that's a, I do. Feel, I, lo- I love that take on it. <laughs> the bear lies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I really, I have a lot of sympathy for Shepard. I think she, the actress, does such a wonderful job. I, I, if anything, I think her character, yeah, gets a little more to be desired. But I, I don't necessarily think every character needs an arc or resolution in a movie. I think sometimes it is just inciting incidents or something to for the main character to play off like not everyone's gonna be you know rosencrantz and guildenstern aren't really that important in hamlet they're just there to be a a a sounding bouncing board at times Um, true true maybe that's what we should do is have a a behind the scenes movie of shepherd and jennifer jason lee having adventures from what i can tell uh Again, I, I, you've read the book and I have not, but I, I think Ventress is in the second and third books, or at least one of the other two. So maybe those are exploring maybe. previous or after, I, I don't know. I, yeah, but, I'd have yeah. to go back into it. But uh, to wrap up my thoughts, I think this is just such a, uh ambitious movie. And I think that's what I really love about it. And I'm, I'm going a perfect five out of five intestine wow. rounds. I think... This is something I'm so excited for men. I'm probably yeah. going to rewatch Ex Machina tonight uh, just to be ready and have a couple days to digest it before we see men. Should rewatch uh, Dread, too. Why not? Dread's always a fun I watch. Got that on 4K as well. So Hell yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. I, 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 uh, that's a great... I, I can totally see it being a five. I, it's just me personally when I watch it, there's something missing to it that it's missing a really, really exciting factor to me. I feel like five star movies for me, like there's always a moment in a five star movie where I'm watching it where I am completely swept away and just blown away and like I'm just like, Holy shit, this is something oh, like otherworldly oh, and fantastic. Yeah, I could totally see the people bear getting there scene with annihilation. Puts me yeah. there every I think what it is time. I God, I hate being this guy. But that scene, it is so good. You're right. Everything about it is fantastic. There are just shots of it with the CG, and I'm like completely sucked out. I'm like, my God. 
where it's like this is yeah. 2018 and there's shots like that in this movie it's, maybe it's it like just the needed one... a little more darkness yeah to it but it, it's it's the it's the one facet of this movie where i'm like garland man you came so close in every regard and then you have these things that just completely suck me out of it uh it's really unfortunate i, I wish it didn't affect me as much as it does but you know it's a big I, big part know, of it this might just be you know part of your career and your job yeah. and that you totally. notice and yeah. look at these things yeah i mean you're right yeah right. i work in I work in TV and assist with visual effects, so like, yeah. Uh, I can be a little bit more forgiving. It's not really my purview. Yes. As long as story, structure, character, yeah. atmosphere. I think that it does such a great atmosphere throughout yeah. the movie. Um, another thing, too, that we didn't discuss, have you seen the, the Tarkovsky movie Stalker? Yes, I have. Uh, obviously very similar. Garland says that there was a little bit of influence, but he tried. he tries to not, like say you know people say like oh it's almost a remake like stock but he's like it's kind of an influence but i wanted to do my own thing but uh yeah because stalker something... is more philosophical oh yeah so philosophical but something Even more I, so than this one something i appreciate about stalker um that i think this one i i knock it a teeny bit is like stalker it's kind of pretentious but it also really really knows it's being pretentious and it has a character in the stalker to kind of be like, okay, guys, like, yeah, you're yeah. here for these reasons so deep, you know. Um, well, that I and that's what I love about it is that it's yeah. like a writer and a scientist, and that uh-huh. they're both looking for this thing for different reasons. And, and then, then a blue collar working class guy who's like, yeah, who's I've been like, in, he's like, I've been in and out a million times, and I'm just a normal family guy, like for a normal family man, I'm just meant to get money, <laughs> you know, like yeah. Yeah, so I feel he like ha- he has the different view of it than like an empirical, like the scientist or the yeah. artistic, philosophical. And I, uh, I think, I think maybe yeah. that's what's a little bit missing from Annihilation is like they're all scientists, an and brilliant people, and art. But it, it, it's like I hate to say this because I, I love, I love this aspect of of Annihilation, but it's so thought, so like thoughtful, and it's so like fixated on deeper meanings that it can be a little pretentious and i feel like stalker's the same way but knows it's being pretentious and has that other character to balance it out and i'm not trying to say being pretentious is a bad because sometimes in movies you should be pretentious to try to get at deeper truths you know uh i just feel like with annihilation it's a lot of like hey we're gonna be smart today we're all being really smart we're asking smart questions and everything's so smart and it's like great. I just like I need a little bit of grounding back to like, you know, the common person other than like philosophers and scientists and psychiatrists and things like that. I don't know. It's maybe this is a weird complaint, but yeah, that's the other. Well, thing. you're not going to get invited to the next red carpet of the Alex Garland movies. <laughs> Fuck. So I hope you're. I hope you're happy with yourself, Greg. Alex, I'm sorry. Alex, I love how smart you are. I really am not saying that sarcastically. <laughs> You make smart movies, and I love that, so. Well, Greg, I guess that wraps it up. For this week and this month but have you noticed some kind of uh change as we've been talking it's like there's a 
a sheen across everything. Yeah, strange colors floating over around my face, and like there's just like a, a tr- really overpowering trumpeting noise. Like I just cannot mm-hmm. get out of my head. Hard yeah. to concentrate. Yeah, and a weird silver. Hey guys, it's like, me. Oh shit! Oh shit! <laughs> I fell out of the shimmer. Well, we're glad to have you back, Kill. Wow, Kill, you were gone for six years. My God, shimmery shit. <laughs> oh, has it really been that long? Wow. Damn. Well, hey, while you're here, why don't you tell us what what are you what's your rating for uh for annihilation out of gut worms or whatever intestine worms? Yeah, intestine intestinal worms. worms. Um, man, I like this movie a lot. Um, it's really pretty to look at. I like that they have a, a an all woman team going into this abyss. Uh, I like that you don't know what the fuck is going on. I mentioned that during um in the earth as well that i kind of like that we don't really know what's going on um sometimes in movies and i just think it's a really strong movie in general i like it and uh yeah it's cool it's good acting and shit i would give it um 4.3 uh intestinal parasite wormy things wow Wow! Now that's hey. the exact score that Greg gave it. I, it is one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. we're all on really? the same page on this one. Murph is writing a little higher. He gave it a perfect five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, but hey. Oh, I was wondering if any... you, were, you had a weird look on your face. I thought, I thought maybe <laughs> I, you guys were both at like two or something. You're like, whoa. No, 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 no way. No, uh, no, yeah. This movie I, I felt was uh, pretty great, and like uh, I can't, I like Alex Garland a lot. I don't think he's missed yet. You know, can't wait for Men. Oh yeah, yeah I probably, loved X. Hopefully, see it this weekend. Yeah, I think I'm also seeing Men. We'll we'll talk about that soon. Then. All right. Well, it's the end of the month, so we're gonna do what we always do. It's time for the Masses. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we uh, always start with the. The same category every year, or every month, I should say. Uh, Best Kill, also known as the Claude Daigle Memorial Penmanship Award Scholarship Foundation. Scholarship Fund Foundation. Nailed it. And this month we've watched Troll, The Ruins, In the Earth, and Annihilation for uh, Mushroom Horror May. Yeah, four movies that were... thank you, Kill. (laughs) Ended up being way more similar than I even thought. Beyond being mushroom movies, just like a lot of uh, quarantine zones, you know? Yes. It's interesting because yes. I, I kind of thought somebody was going to do more of like a weather type of thing because it could have be, been anything really of, of the earth. But yeah, we all kind of stuck very close in like, yeah. the plant type of stuff, which is cool. I think it made it interesting. I, I liked finding these weird connections between these. So yeah, let's get, I mean, the Claude Daigle, R.A.P. Claude Daigle, poor little boy. Uh, we're going to honor of you course. by naming our best kill of the month. Um, poor little boy. Uh, I got it right off the bat uh, from In the Earth, Zach getting the the, the tent stake right oh, through yeah. the eye. I second I'm so it. happy That's... you picked that, yeah. yeah. I'm going to go I'm gonna go a little different. Um, I, I want to honor... Uh, Annihilation and do the bear slapping off Gene Rodriguez's jaw. Anya's jaw. Because yeah, that is pretty so gnarly. Yeah. Um, it, that is the thing that's like everyone remembers the bear from Annihilation. And uh, yeah, I want to give it its due. That's a fucking well, great Well, I kill. mean, you could have given it to the bear. The bear itself. Technically. 
Well, I mean, the yeah, bear just kind of gets like, like shot right in the face by yeah. Josie, who's like the pacifist of the group. That's true. Uh, that just to me gets into that weird CG Uncanny Valley area. In that okay. Movie, That's okay. the part where I'm like, we- you know, but the jaw looks great to me. That looks really good because it looks to me like it is like a practical model, at least a little bit. I, I, I can't quite tell, but it looked great. It's one moment where the effects didn't get in the way for me. Uh, and Kill, were you saying you were going for Zach as well? Yep, the stake in the eye is really great. And I, it's, I'm not sure how they did it, but it, it looks very like a practical effect um, when, he, when he tries to pull it out. And it's, it was just really well yes. done. And then also the dialogue that's happening, like the way that he's talking about it. And yeah, it's, it was good. It's uh, squeamish, and then it also has like comedic elements to it. So yeah. It, it, oh, yeah. it works perfectly. All right, well, then we are going to uh, move on to best performance, which is the one that I'm still a little up in the air about, if you guys have some thoughts. Oh, hey, for me, it is no question. I am saying Phil Fotocaro from Troll I, as I both the troll, as Torok the troll, yeah. and as the friendly uh, professor neighbor, uh, Malcolm. Um, he has he's the, that scene. Yeah. Um, it's, as the Malcolm, that's it's the really heartbreaking. Only performance this month that almost made me cry. Like <laughs> it, you can tell that it's coming from a real genuine place, like some really heartfelt emotion, and it's a really mm-hmm. interesting aspect of like you know uh, the life of a, a person living with that condition. And I think it makes a good argument for why people like fantasy. People with tough lives who can escape into these alternate worlds and these alternate ideas and still hold on to that hope later into life. Like, it's beautiful. I think it's such a great moment. And he really sells it. So, yeah, it's easily Phil Fondacaro. And as Turok to troll, he's so fun. The way he moves around, his little, like, growling. It says, you know, welcome, brother elf, when he turns. He still has his, his eyes, so you yeah, get that. Yeah, exactly. That connection. Yeah, love him. Phil Fondacaro. Kill any thoughts? I kind of want to go. Uh, Joel Fry was that's the guy's name in, in in the Earth, right? And also the dude who played Zach Shearsmith, Reese Shearsmith, yeah, right? Reese Shearsmith. Um, yes, they were both really great. I mean, Annihilation. They were they were all really great performances, and I feel like that's much more of a box officey type of movie with a bunch of stars in it. Um, and everybody was really great in it, but in the Earth is more under the radar type of thing oh and um stacy in in the ruins was good too it's oh she's really good this is so hard yeah stacy and joel fry are kind of my two and i think i'm leaning towards joel fry just that uh vulnerability that he brought to it the you know being so tall yet feeling so small at the same time um he's getting i think that was just a real dropped off yeah he just he had a very powerful performance um and i felt real sympathy for him we're on the same page today yeah yeah uh we're gonna move on to the best effect if uh, i know greg has some uh opinions about the worst effects but talking about the best i I want to do the eyeball again yeah hey that's that's great that's a good good. practical one it's rare that i know right immediately as soon as you say the category yeah. It's rare that I'm like, that's it. Um, but that that's it for me. When I think about all the other... I can't even think about anything that comes close to it for me in the other movies. The uh, eye. For me, eye. it's, it's going to be our rating for Annihilation. It's the intestine worms with Oscar Isaac putting his hand 
inside of a guy's Ooh. stomach and it moves. It just oh, it gets me. It's We're great. all a bit on the same because that's my pick. Uh, I mean, this is going to okay. shock you because I think Annihilation does have some real shoddy effects, but that is one moment again, like the jaw getting slapped off. Like it looks so good and it is so convincing in that moment. You don't think about it. You're just like grossed out and like affected by it. And you have Oscar Isaac at the way he's like shooting it, like, and he's sticking his hand in there. It's really good. Mm-hmm. It really sells it. And it's like, th- then uh, it's also buoyed by the reaction of Gina Rodriguez being like, nope, fake, you know, yeah. doesn't happen. Can't do it. Like, yeah, it's so good. I love that moment. It is easily like my favorite effect of this month. Although, I mean, in the earth had some really, really awesome gore that we talked about. Um, and yeah. I want to give a shout out to Sony uh, Bono. Ruins. <laughs> well, True. The ruins had some really bad ones, like Annihilation, yep. but sometimes when the, the vines are trying to grab a person or, like, go going Mateus's mouth, yeah. yeah, that's real good. Yes, absolutely. I agree. I just think in terms of, like, impact, like, the visceral reaction I had watching Annihilation this time, where I did not remember that at all, like, the guts thing, um, but been like, oh, how did I forget that? That is absolutely disgusting and really cool. Yeah, so the guts. All right, we have uh, Best Massacre. I've got mine right off the bat. I'm going for the Mexico Vacationers in the Ruins. Uh, I think yeah. it's just, it, it is one of, a, it's a contained massacre. Uh, we get six people and then presumably the Greeks as well. Yeah. You know, I actually was going to say Troll, uh but that actually was maybe a bit of a troll answer and who says that they're really dying or not. But like, True. I, I think I'm going to change my answer to that as well. Cause then I think about it, it is just like that classic slasher thing. You got a group of young kids, you know, like wanting to party and wanting to see something cool and interesting and being dumb. And yeah, you kill them off one by one, totally classic slasher massacre. So yeah, I agree. I'm going I get, with hold on. Let's take it back. Five. Cause Jenna Malone survives. There you go. That's right. Okay. Unfortunately. Oh, so kill, Annihilation. Yeah, I, I like that they went in and they were kind of slowly picked off. Um, we knew in the very beginning, the interview, when they're um, interviewing Natalie Portman's character, we knew that some of them were not going to make it and others, we don't know, they disappeared. Um, but and I kind of like that, that something happened to them when they were in there. We have no idea what it was. Um, and I also like that however many people have gone into the Shimmer before and never returned. As Oscar That's Isaac true. was the first one to come out. Yeah. So I the think... massacre extends far beyond what we actually saw in the movie. And it's I also like that it's a mystery. Yes. I, I think you have an argument to be made about all the, the previous expeditions. We have only real two deaths in our, our viewing. We have uh anya with the bear we have shepherd with the bear as well i guess um (laughs) jennifer jason lee just turns into a monster we don't really know if she's dead she transforms yeah and then josie just again another transformation becomes part of the earth well i mean oscar isaac does detonate a phosphorus grenade and and, that's true like and his entire (laughs) emulate himself his entire team maybe you got the you got the fungus man there's a lot uh, I'm still going to give the edge to the ruins because they shoot a child in the face. <laughs> okay, well, we're going back to six because of the child. I forgot the child. All yeah. right. Uh, so, okay, and so we have our last one, the seasonal award, which is going to be the fungal award this month. Um, 
which movie grew on you the most after watching it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it, In the Earth. I was nice. not as impressed first watching it, but I keep thinking about it more and more and more. Right? That's what I've been Beautiful. saying. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. Okay, I'm glad it wasn't just me watching it and being like, okay, I think I need to see this again. And I did keep thinking about it afterwards, so awesome. And I can't wait until you guys watch it again and you have yeah. you can tell me all about it. I agree. That was a great watch this this month and like it had it is one that is like stuck with me and I do think back to it a lot. Um again, I love that blending of folklore and science. Like that is such a cool way it does it and it doesn't feel like it's like one is invalidating the other at all. It's neat. Um however, that would be my answer if not for Troll because I cannot stop thinking about Troll. That movie has stuck with me in so many ways. Like, I love Tarok the Troll. I love Phil Fondacaro's speech. I love the Troll song. Again, no idea what the lyrics are, but I hum it all the time. Uh, out of all the movies we've watched, we've watched, like, coming up on 50 horror movies for this podcast. Um, out of those 50, the only one that has given me a nightmare has been Troll. I legit had a nightmare that I was being attacked by Tarok the Troll. And it was really scary in the dream, in the moment. Like I'm not kidding. <laughs> I just that's how okay. much it is. It has implanted. You should it, see so. the look on Kills and I's face right now, <laughs> audience. It is astoundingly shocked. I had a dream. Torok the troll was like attacking me, and he was like trying to do what he does to Wendy, where he like you know possesses her body, and then he was like gnawing at me and biting me. In in retrospect, it may have been my cat JB biting me in my sleep. <laughs> But, you know, it was still terrifying in the moment as I was dreaming it. So, yeah, Troll has grown on me the most. Like a wild fungus. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that movie's I... really charming, too. I, I love Troll. I honestly have come around to full-on loving it. I feel like this is the most passionate you've ever been about a movie that we've covered, too. Just I mean, it's, About it's anything crazy. in his whole life, actually. So it's passionate. Just, yeah. I, I really can't explain D. it. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, hey, uh, I'll get back to you guys if I get a troll tattoo, you know. Tenacious D still, still has that distinction, but um, <laughs> but I do love I it. I do think like, it's... Oh, I, yeah, check this out, and, like, open it full chest piece. Yeah. <laughs> the Turok, yeah. Oh, mushroom. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm probably... So I had already seen In the Earth and Annihilation. Um, troll didn't really do much for me. In the Earth was all right. Um... Annihilation I already really liked, but I, I'm going to go with In the Earth as well. And I said that was my third time watching it. And I really do like it a little bit more each time I watch it. I feel like there's a little bit something that I kind of notice. Um, it's just kind of a neat movie. Uh, I'm glad it exists, and I'm glad that we had a chance to uh, cover it. So I'm I'm just thrilled that you guys liked it, because like I said, I was like, I don't, I have no idea... If this movie is good, I think I liked it. I, I don't know. But I did. I kept thinking about it afterward. And I'm glad to hear that you guys feel the same way. Yeah, it was great. I think, totally. I, may, I, think I may have said I like it more than Annihilation, which I think might be true. Uh, yeah, I really like In the Earth. I think it's it's a, it's a, it's a sleeper hit. Awesome. You know? Well, that's it for Mushroom May. We made it through. And now we're going to be starting a new themed month for June. We are going to be covering twins and doppelgangers. Uh, month of what was it? Gemini June was that? Gemini the, June, yeah, that was my pitch. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna cover movies that have to do with uh, a double, 
someone who looks exactly like you in one way or another. Uh, theoretically, you know, we can play around with that. But my pick for next week will be the 1993 box office bomb, I believe, <laughs> of The Dark Half. Written originally novelization novel by Stephen King. And then the uh, horror horror master George A. Romero wrote and direct wrote for the screen and directed this movie, and I've got a lot to say about it. So yeah, me too. Can't wait. Glad you guys do. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. You can email us weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com. Get us at both Twitter and Instagram at weeklymassacre. Hit us up. Let us know if you've ever been attacked by a bear, if you've ever been quarantined with uh, Benedict Wong interviewing you, if you know why Oscar Isaac had a weird accent at the end of the movie. Please let us know. We are That's dying a great to find question. Out. That's a really good if question. You, if you have access to Oscar Isaac, I want you to grab him by the lapels and shake him. Until this information falls out of his mouth. Why did you talk that so, way in Annihilation? Yeah. Why did you do it? <laughs> Give me back my son. Thank you all for listening. We have no sign off for May. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. We're as silent as the plants themselves, you know. Bye, everybody. <laughs>